You're now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Sound of Sanity, this is Nathan Alberson, your humble and obedient host, joined by the man himself, the myth itself, the legend themselves. Yes, we are here. Our little Christmas elf. It's uh, I'm in a good mood today, folks. It's yeah. Uh, Ben, you've become, you started out as our little Christmas elf, but you've grown into Uh, so much more. Now you're our big Christmas elf. It's Benjamin J. Solzer. Getting bigger every day, folks. Our engineer, our beloved engineer, and a man that is also on the panel, the panel of sanity. Yeah, I'm here. How do you find yourself today, Ben? I, well, I woke up. There I was. That's how I found myself today. There you go. All right. Let's introduce Jacob in unison. All right. Now, now we, we are, are introducing the pastor who's a master, master of all his hand, hand finds per, under yeah finds <laughs> to do, to do. Jacob, Jacob Mansell. How, how you, you doing do today, Jake? Well, I was doing better before that. <laughs> wow. So were we. <laughs> so were we. That's the wit and wisdom of Jacob Menzel right there. He's doing well. And guys, today, let's get right into it. We're going to talk about our favorite subject, Solo. Oh, great. Yay. So glad we could do this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Free Solo, actually. But this episode is entitled The Coward's Climb. That's right. That's because we're going to talk about a very a currently famous rock climber mm-hmm. who has done a free solo climb. Let me explain what that is for you listeners who, like me, are not really rock climbers. You know what? Why don't I introduce this segment? This segment is called Helpful, Helpful facts, facts About, 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 about rock, rock Climbing. climbing. Everybody, welcome to Helpful oh, Facts yeah. About Rock Climbing, yeah, and now yeah, right. we're introducing your host, Benjamin J. Solzer. It's me, Benjamin J. Solzer. I'm here to talk to you about some helpful facts about rock climbing. So one of those is that uh, free soloing is when you climb something without a rope or anything around you. Just you up there on the cliff face. Just you with your hands, or you can you use little hooks? You can't use hooks. That's called aid climbing. Aid climbing is like when you use hooks and batons and carabiners and you you have a rope and you're like... And there's another thing called free climbing, which this is why this can be confusing. Free climbing is when you don't use those aids, but you still have a rope. Free climbing is when you use just your hands and feet. So you're doing but it yourself. But you still have a rope. Like as if you're Captain Kirk in that one terrible Star Trek movie or yeah. uh, Tom Cruise in that one terrible Mission Impossible movie. Right, that's exactly right. Um, you're doing it, but there's a rope. But there's so a rope. It'll catch you if you, that's right. if you mess it up. Yeah, But yeah. you're doing it as if you're just free yeah. soloing. Right, so Tom Cruise actually was free soloing in that famous scene where he climbs the tower. The tower. Um, what do we... Oh, Burj Khalifa. The, thank you. Oh, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> the Bridge Khalifa. I was thinking about the scene in Mission Impossible 2. Ah. I think you told me once that's your favorite movie. That's right. Um, I told you not to bring that up on this show either. <laughs> where you did. Where Tom Cruise is climbing up the cliff. Yeah. And it's yeah, just like I, I pointless about and that. it has long hair and it's probably in slow motion like it's everything pretty, in that movie. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's, those are the different kinds of climbing, but 
our guy today that we want to talk about, Alex Hunold, is famous. I mean, he does all of these things, but he's really famous for resoloing, and he's especially famous right now for being the only dude ever to free solo El Capitan, which is this really, really steep and difficult cliff face in Yosemite National Park. And I'm just going to make sure that Jake understands what's going on. Jake, when Alex Hunnelt free soloed this thing in Yosemite, how many ropes do you think that he was using? Zero. Zero. How many tools do you think he was using to aid him in his climb? Does chalk count as a tool? No. Sure. I don't know. Yeah, that's right. Chalk. Yes. Chalk. chalk. Yeah, you, you always use chalk because it gives you grip. And you get you, sweaty. You have to. And also there's water between the cracks often. Often. I see. That's interesting. I do not watch things about free soloing or rock climbing because they really freak me out. I saw a couple years ago before this El Capitan thing. What happens if Alex Hunnup falls, Jake? Depending on how high up he is. Mm-hmm. He dies. He, he dies. Just, he just dies. He just dies. Okay. I think Jake gets the concept. I'm glad to see he's paying mm-hmm. attention. Ben, continue with your facts about this situation. I, I know about Alex Hunnup because I just saw... A movie called Free Solo, a documentary. It's a pretty intense documentary because it's about his decision to to climb Yosemite, uh, El Capitan in Yosemite. The time preparation it took him, the it's like about his mindset, the risks he's taking, the effect it has on people around him, the effect it has on his committed girlfriend. You should know because there's a movie about it. He doesn't fall off and die. He right. actually successfully free solos El Capitan. And so the last 10, 15 minutes of the movie, you're watching an, an abridged version of that. And it, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's crazy difficult. He's up there with his bare hands. Anyway, and, and anyone else would die. Um, How old is this guy? When he did that, he was 32. That was like last summer. That was like June 2017. Now he's 33. And he's spent his whole life since his dad died, like living in a van and going around and climbing. Although now it showed him in the movie buying a house because his long his girlfriend wanted a house. Mm-hmm. Shocking. And he decided, well, okay. But what you're watching when you see the movie is you're watching this guy who devotes his whole life to the sport of rock climbing. And that's where like he finds his transcendence and his meaning. There's, you know, there's this whole community of rock climbers. You you get a little bit exposed to them. He has a good friend who's a famous rock climber, of course, and other friends who are famous rock climbers, and they all understand that when he free solos something, he could die. And, you know, there's the filmmaking crew of rock climbers who are, he's talking with them about this, and they're like, do you really want us to film you? Because they're really nervous that their presence will make him lose focus and die, which is a real possibility. And he's not sure. At one point, he starts climbing, but he calls it off. But what you really watch is you watch everyone around him knowing that he's just risking his life. You watch the filmmaking guys know that they are borderline culpable for the shedding of innocent blood because they are filming their friend do something that could very, very easily lead to his death. And it's so obvious that they know it and they feel it and they acknowledge it. His, his good friend, a rock climber named Tommy Caldwell, who's also famous, Flowing in and out of the mountains, that's how he talks about it. I forget where they were. They were in another country. They were training. He says, flowing in and out of the mountains with Alex is amazing. And it's something that I know I shouldn't be doing. It's like smoking cigarettes. It's like, I don't really want to do this, but man, I'm going to do it anyway. And you see Alex Hunold's pride, his stubbornness, his refusal to submit to any authority, his refusal to recognize that his girlfriend... That was going to be my next question. How does the girlfriend feel about it? Oh, man. She just... It just tears her up. It tears her up because she clearly loves him. She's basically committed to him, which is crazy. And 
There's a point in the movie where they're talking about the climb, the upcoming climb of El Capitan. And she asks him something like, hey, she's talking as though it's a hypothetical sort of, hey, do you, would you consider like our relationship to have any claim on you? Like any kind of obligation, like would that make you rethink the choices you're making about dangerous climbs? That's, she kind of asks the question that way. And he's, he says, well, you know, thank you for expressing your concerns and stuff. And, but no, absolutely not. In fact, I would resent you if you imposed yourself like that. And um, that would undercut my dreams and my life. So no, it has absolutely no claim on me at all. Really, and that's how he responds. And so, I mean, he still has this girlfriend, apparently. Like, she didn't leave. But she wasn't there to watch him climb El Capitan. And even even the guys who are there, when, when he just starts and he's going and he's doing an amazing job and it's clear, like, his, his, his climbing is amazing. He did it in under four hours, which, if you're climbing El Capitan with ropes and aids, you might take a couple days. You might, like, you know, you pitch little tents on a ledge or something and secure, lock, strap yourself in with hooks in the rock. But he did it in under four hours. Even the guys who are filming him, who are experienced rock climbers themselves and have filmed a lot of dangerous stuff, it, someone says into the radio, because film, the filmmakers are talking by radio, like, okay, he's here now, he's there now. And they're like, man, Alex is having his best day ever. And this guy, the video camera operator, is like, no, man, not me. Like, I, this, is, this is it for me. Like, I don't, I don't want to see this. I don't <laughs> want to ever see this again, basically. He just, he's not even like, he's hardly watching his camera. He just can't take it. So everyone is aware, like... This is a precious human life made in the image of God, basically. That's what they know, and they're suppressing it and fighting it. And Alex Hunold is suppressing it and fighting it. And it's clear he has, like, some father issues. Um, How old was he when his dad died? Do you remember from the film? I, I'm so, I want to say, like, 11 or 12. I don't, I don't remember. I don't have that in front of me. And it's just absolutely clear, at least it was from what I saw then, that he just shut off to the world and threw himself entirely into rock oh, climbing. Man. There's stuff that that you that helps you see clearly, like his who he is as a person and like his emotional development. He mentions that in his early 20s, I think he realized that hugs were a good thing, and he didn't know how to hug. So he was like, "So I just, I was like, I should start doing this." So I trained. So now I'm a pretty good hugger. I trained myself to hug. But I mean, Hunold is a atheist. He's a vegetarian because of environmental issues, like meat and you know environmental issues. And you're like, wow, that's yeah, that's your morality, man. So I tried to find statistics about how many free solo climbers have died. How many of how many climbers who you know do this kind of stuff have died? And I I couldn't. But hey, lots of them, lots of them, including guys who have made successfully made amazing climbs before. One day you wake up and they're dead. I mean, that happens in this documentary. As he reads about a famous climber who just died, doesn't phase him. We're going to talk more about this. Obviously, the subject of this episode is godly risk versus ungodly risk, and we're going to de- we're going to decide where that line is for you, so you don't have to think. Now, we're not going to do that. We're going to talk about it, though. First, though, we're going to hear from our friends at Rapid Fire, the conservative news program in the town of Sanityville. I know that I think they're actually discussing risk today. Are they? So I uh, think that they they are probably pretty conservative with risk too. One would think so. I don't know. Let's give it a listen, fellas. Greetings, friends. This is Rapid Fire. I'm Stone Huntington. And I'm Lance Redford. And I'm Chip McGregory, newly elected dog catcher of this town and Mr. Ruffles. You good-for-nothing mutt. If you're listening, friend, hear this. You can play frisbee with your owner in that restricted dog park and eat Caesar's savory delights out of a glass chalice every night. But you ain't fooling me. 
I know you was behind the hit on that kibble's truck. I'm gonna follow that beef and chicken trail all the way back to you, Ruffles. Then it'll be Red Rover, Red Rover. Send Ruffles right over to the pound. And boy, howdy, Chip, you are taking this, uh, dog catcher job pretty seriously. You know my pet possum pink eye, Lance? Well, well, sure, Chip. I don't even like to talk about it, but there used to be a Mr. Pink Eye. <laughs> well, actually, Chip, I'm not sure that any state of matrimony would be legally binding upon a marsupial such as Pink Eye. Chucks, Lance, maybe they was living in sin. Point is, Mrs. Pink Eye ran afoul of Ruffles and his villainous canine crew. And, well, Mr. Pink Eye was the one who paid the price. Well, gosh, Chip, I didn't know that. It just makes me so mad, Lance. To think of Ruffles threatening, intimidating, bullying? No one should have to stand for that, Chip. Lance, shut up right now or I'll dock your pay. Gentlemen, I want to talk about the modern American male and how he became a video game playing pansy. Well, now, Stone, I played a video game once. You were a duck hunter and you were hunting these little ducks. I think it was called Super Mario Brothers. This is the time, Chip, to shut your pie hole. Stone, do you mean the shrapnel wound I received when my squad was attacked by Kurdistani insurgents in a mess hall whilst we were in the very midst of eating pie? I said shut it! Yeah, shut your pie hole, Chip. The entire problem with the modern American male is that he doesn't take risks. Why, Lance, if I had been like that, where would we be today? I remember it like it was yesterday. We had opened the first American store and the profits hadn't come in yet. And you, Lance, you wanted to turn tail and run. Well, well, now, Stone, that's not exactly how I remember. But I said, Lance, you yellow-bellied communist, you stand steady and be a man. The mortgage on your grandmother's house be cursed. Yeah, yeah, you were right, Stone. <laughs> Absolutely right. It wasn't cruel or manipulative or foolish or nothing at all. <laughs> well, here we are, aren't we, Lance? We built something out of nothing, didn't we? Yeah, we sure did, Stone. Actually, I, I wasn't referring to you, Lance. I was referring to myself using the royal we. Uh, oh, yeah, of course, Stone. I, I should have known that. Lance, old boy, I took a risk, and it's not like it killed you to come along. Nope, uh, no. Just, just my nana. And that's what America needs more of, boys. Risk takers, men who defy the odds, stick a thumb in the eye of fate, and come out on top, like every great citizen of this country has done. Sure, Stone. Since Columbo discovered America. <laughs> well, Chip. Uh, Columbo di didn't discover America. Oh, sure, Lance, I get it, because the engines was here first. <laughs> no, Chip, because Columbo solved mysteries. He was a detective. Sure, Lance, the mystery of how to get America from the engines. And the solution? Guns. That's right, Chip. Guns. And the manly, risk-taking men who knew where to aim them. That's right, Stone. Plus, they use those malaria-covered blankets. <laughs> well, Chip, the subject of malaria-covered blankets is a politically fraught question that... Shall we say? Lance, as long as they use those malaria-covered blankets in a manly, risk-taking way. As long as they use them in a way that push them past their comfort zone. That help them transcend their personal limitations. That sparked a greater drive towards discipline and entrepreneurship. Well then, I say in that case, what, I ask you what, could be more American? Well, Stone, it sure pushed those indigenous peoples out of their comfort zone. Because they lost their land. And then they died. Now, Chip, uh, on the other side of the equation, the indigenous peoples were uh, sometimes pretty un pretty unfriendly to us. So come to think of it, there was a lot of unhappiness on both sides of the equation. What with the Gentlemen, the only equation I'm interested in today, this one. Either 100% liberty or 100% death. That don't seem much like an equation to me, Stone. Is it some kind of algebra problem? Chip, you thunderhead, I'm referring to the immortal words of Patrick Henry. Give me liberty or give me death. Well, Stone, which one do you want? 
I think the Native Americans are more on the death side of things. But, Chip, what Stun was trying to say was... Uh, shut up, Lance. Chip, what I'm trying to say is that liberty is such a fabulous treasure, we must be willing to pay the ultimate price for it. Gold bullion? Death! Our own deaths for the treasure of liberty. Or even better, the deaths of other people. Only men who have such an attitude will take genuine, masculine risks. Like all those fellas who died climbing up rocks without a rope? Exactly, Chip. Yeah, exactly, Chip. Well, shucks. I didn't know liberty and death went together so well. That's why we broadcast Rapid Fire, Chip. To put the pieces together for our listeners. Well, Stone, you gotta put the pieces together after someone falls off a cliff. Chip, that reminds me of the way the American state is, uh, fallen to pieces thanks to Nancy Pelosi and those, uh, 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 free soloing Democrats. Uh, what's that, what's that, Lance? Uh, well, well, Stone, see, they were, they were trying to ascend the mountain of, of socialized healthcare with the, uh, with the American public in, in their backpacks, but... But they didn't have the the rope, the rope of liberty to catch them when they fell. So suck so. slime, Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, 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 America. All right, yeah, America. Nancy Pelosi. You heard me the first time, Nancy. Oh, And we're back. Thank you, Rapid Fire. So American. I feel more American right now. Yeah, me too. I feel American because there's nothing. There's American. nothing American can't. There's That's right. American can't. That has been a helpful uh, tagline for my life since I learned it from Rapid Fire. You know, sometimes I feel like I like the I like Chip. I sort of like Lance. I don't like Stone very much. That's that's mm. kind of my take on the whole thing. I don't know how you guys feel. Yeah, that's, something like that. Stone's kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're all fun. I mean, they say amusing things by accident. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the deal is with that. Yeah. Anyway, all right, guys. Godly risk taking. I think people can probably guess we're not going to come down in favor of this Hunnell guy. No. True. I'm going to guess that our listeners know that. Yeah. They might have context clues. They might have figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> context clues. As Chip would say. Yeah. <laughs> so what makes Alex... So obviously we think Alex Hunnell's risk taking is ungodly. Why? Because risk has to have... It has to be weighed against the reward. Yeah. And it has to be a good and right reward, even a righteous reward, you could say. Something that's godly to go after. Yeah, you have to... I mean, risk-taking is about actually weighing the risks versus weighing the reward. And Alex Hunnell has one reward, and that's his own mm-hmm. vainglory and his ability mm-hmm. to perpetually avoid processing the death of his father and taking... And to avoid taking real responsibility in life for anything good or productive or helpful or valuable to, I don't know, mm-hmm. humanity. Well, and then just about. to take a step back and simplify it even more, he is willing to risk shedding blood. His own blood. His, his well, own yeah, blood. that's what he is willing to the break reward the on one side and the murder. cost, the potential cost on the other side is his own death. Right. And we're not his supposed life. to, we're not supposed to, we're not, we're supposed to avoid shedding blood. I mean, I'm just, just to say this very basically. Yeah, yeah. there are times to risk your life. But those times to risk your life, I mean, they have to be for really good reasons. Yeah, to put your own life on the line with that much of a certainty, (laughs) I almost wanted to say, with that much of a certainty of death, without having anything to gain from it besides your own personal glory is incredibly selfish. Yeah. And wicked. And just, oh, ah, ah, Uh, yeah, the devil's advocacy alarm. There it goes. What do you know about that? 
Ben, explain what the devil's advocacy alarm is in case we have any new listeners. Oh, if you're a new listener, that annoying noise is a sign that one of us is going to play the devil's advocate and we're going to disagree with the position we've taken. Right. So the position we've taken is that Alex Holmelt is being very foolish. Not to say effeminate, gay. Not to say wicked. Yeah. Cowardly, actually. Absolutely. That's the position. And Jake. Yeah. I'm going to have you argue against this position. Starting in three, two, one, go. Well, first of all, um, let's start here. Risk is good and risk is right. God made men to take risks and Alex Hunnell is taking a certain kind of risk. And you could say he's taking it too far, or taking the wrong kind of risk. But give me somebody who's willing to take a risk over somebody who's willing to sit in their basement eating Cheetos and playing video games and taking their risks vicariously with their thumbs. Yeah, but that's a false dichotomy, devil. I'm going to call you on it right away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure, if my only two options were to climb a mountain with no ropes or eat Cheetos in my mom's basement and watch pornography, then yes! (laughs) Sure. It turns out there might be a vast expanse of middle ground there, though. (laughs) Okay, so we're talking about extremes. But which guy would you rather have in your church? Which guy would you rather work with? Neither. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot easier to break somebody down who's attuned, acclimated to taking bad risks and to teach them the right risks to take than it is to build somebody up who's absolutely 100% risk averse. Not if, so there's uh, some virtue to Alex Hunnell's risk-taking. It's a lot easier to build up a person that's alive than a person that's <laughs> smashed their skull while to pieces. Hey, he's not dead yet. <laughs> All right, fine. I'd rather have Alex Hunnell in my church than some fat guy that <laughs> just likes to be in his mom's basement. So Yay. here's the thing. Do we or do we not believe in men taking risks? I don't know, Ben. Do we believe in men taking risks? Uh, let me think about this for a second, Ethan. It's a yes or no question. Just give me a yes or no answer. Yes, we do believe in men taking risks. Okay, so where do you want to push that line? We're talking about uh, an extreme case here. Well, here's the thing with the whole manliness movement, though, Mr. Devil. With the whole, you know, when you see uh, hemanologians, as we like to call them, when you see these kinds of guys online talking about, they always want to make a virtue in, in trying to reclaim something that's been lost or stolen by our culture or destroyed or eradicated. Uh, they always want to take something like men should take risks and make it into a virtue in and of itself. Biblically speaking, yes, men should take risks, but that's a larger part of men taking responsibility and loving people and doing good things that men should actually do. Just making men should take risk into an end in and of itself is silly and foolish and leads to things like the wickedness and cowardice, actually, of a man like Alex Hunnolt who refuses to take responsibility for his common law wife, his girlfriend, whatever, who refuses to take responsibility for his own life, who refuses to take responsibility for those around him, but instead inspires, goes to schools and inspires young children to commit suicide. Let me ask you a question. Yes, sir. How many people, did you drive here this morning? I did. Did you drive here this morning in inclement weather? I did. How many people a year die from car accidents? I'm tempted to actually look up the statistics because I think we might be able to win, but let's just say lots. Okay. Was getting in your car this morning, taking your own life and the lives of other people in your hands? Absolutely. Okay. So, okay. So you have a risk. The risk you took had the possibility of death at your, uh, your own death and death uh, at the deaths of other people at your hands. And you took that risk this morning. Did you 
obey all the laws, the speed laws, everything this morning on the way? Let's just here? say, for the sake of your argument, that I didn't. Okay. I think I probably did, actually. <laughs> you probably did. Because I live five minutes from my work. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll give you that. I sped a little bit, let's say. So I, what separates the risk that you took in getting in your car this morning? Well, you're, you're your doing car. what the devil always does, the real devil always does, which is you're pretending like there's no, there's no such thing as degrees. Has God really said, thou may not eatest of any of the trees? Well, no, what, actually, what, he just said the one. Um, okay, so just degrees. the one, just Alex Hunnell. What I'm trying to do is say, if you're going to just draw a line, and the line's going to be risk of death or injury, then your line has to be more sophisticated than that. My Otherwise, line is more sophisticated t- than that. We, every day we take our own lives into our hands, and we do it in a smart, wise, godly and way. And for godly purposes. And for godly purposes. And for godly purposes. And that's part of the, the point of critiquing Alex Hunnell. This, it's, there's no godly okay. purpose. Okay, then I mean, let's, 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 let's uh, shift this just a little bit more. You guys don't have kids. When you do have kids, you're going to allow your kids to climb trees? Sure. Maybe not. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> All right, Ben, why? Because what godly purpose is there in climbing a tree? The godly purpose of... We're just going to pull pull it out and weigh it. What what exactly, parse for me, the godly purpose of climbing a tree? Because it is good in certain contexts and with certain boundaries and guidelines for boys to try things that are somewhat dangerous. That have no reward, no godliness attached to them, no... That's wrong. ...taking of responsibility for others attached to it. It actually actually Climbing a tree in and of itself, how? Climbing a unwise tree is the same thing as being Alex Hunnold, and it's wicked and it's wrong. Climbing a tree that risks death a little bit less, or let's say a lot less, is a way for a boy to actually learn to take risks and to... And it's part of his physical development as a boy. Like, Like, we have to actually use our bodies as men... To, to learn to take responsibility for others, and climbing is like one thing that you That's do That's not as a in boy. his mind when he does that. Oh, it doesn't matter. It's actually the truth of who he is. To some extent, within certain restrictions, All Alex Tunnel is, is doing useful. is climbing a really big tree. No, that's not all that he's doing. He's, he's climbing a tree that will clearly kill him one day, and he knows it, and he's doing it for no purpose but his own vainglory, like we've already said. The boy who climbs a tree isn't doing it for any purpose except to be able to get to the, get up there and say, look at me, look how high I am. Yeah, yep. And it's, so, it's, it's, it's the same thing. It's, it's one to one. No, it's not one to one. Well, and so far, okay, let's say, I'm just going to pretend like I have a kid and he's climbing a tree and he's being vainglorious. I'll say, stop being so vainglorious. Yeah. Okay, so tell Alex Huddle to stop being so vainglorious. And I am. That's the point of this episode. Yeah. But don't stop him from doing what he was made to do. What did you say? It was like in the You said something like, you know, it's just who he is. This is just who Alex I Hunnell didn't say is. that. I said that that our bodies need to be used as men. And, and that's we, what he's doing. He's using his body. And, and if he wants to do it, he's a machine. Climbing is good. Who would you rather, let's say that there were a toddler on top of El Capitan <laughs> and there was no way of getting up there and there were no <laughs> <Yeah>. ropes? <laughs> Yeah, Who'd you rather have ready to go <laughs> say the any 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 regular person who's looked at El Capitan would realize that it's not possible to climb this thing, and that and that it's just it's just it is simply do you watch your life sports? Away. Do I watch sports sometimes? Very rarely, not yes. really, but sometimes yeah, for the not, sake of argument, not really, yes. but sometimes for okay. the sake of your argument, I watch sports. I watch some baseball, this World Series. Okay, every time somebody steps on a ball field, they are taking it, their health, their safety and often their lives into their hands. 
But there are okay. I'm gonna go ahead and anticipate for this the purpose of entertaining people. It. There are there are mitigating factors that make things safer. There are some sports I think when I see extreme sports, I think well maybe they shouldn't be doing that. When I hear about mm-hmm. the concussions in football, I think well gosh maybe we shouldn't be doing that. Now I don't want to solve the football problem today, but yeah, I actually think it is a little bit more complicated than than all that. You know, maybe there there is a line. I'm not going to pretend mm-hmm. like I know exactly where the line is, but I think we can all agree. There's a line. Good things happen when we take risks. There are all kinds of crazy risks that people have taken that have yielded good fruit. And there are all kinds of risks that people take every day that don't seem to have much meaning attached to them apart for entertainment value, apart from, you know, the, their own vainglorious Well, and, 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 and any, anytime... Anytime that and you give free passes to all of these things. No, no, we don't. We actually just didn't. We actually Nathan just said that there's some sports we should probably draw a line at, and we should consider that there's a certain ungodliness inherent because of the level of risk. Well, and here, okay, fine. Like soccer versus football. Sorry, you know, for our European listeners, real football versus American football. Sorry for our American listeners. I, I just I had to say that so they would know what we were talking about. But there's a pretty <laughs> big difference in like the level of injury between American football and football. And and okay, I will grant you, sometimes I drive 90, you you are going to be able to find all kinds of places where I'm a hypocrite. Uh, You will find, you know, I drive 100 miles on a highway and it is, I am taking an incredibly... You mean 100 miles an hour? Is uh, that what you're saying? I drive, uh, yeah, I drive 100 miles going... (laughs) I drive 100 miles on a highway. (laughs) I don't take ungodly risks. Uh, And I only ever drive in 100-mile increments. No, I will go way too fast. I will swerve in and out of traffic. I've actually tried to stop doing that as I've grown older and realized it was wicked. And when I think back on some of the risks I took in terms of, I remember this one time I pulled out in front of a bus and I had friends in the car and I just wanted to show off. So I pulled out and we were within inches of this bus just ramming into us and we all laughed and, you know, it was a thing. When I think back on that now, this must have been 20 years ago, I just think how wicked, how foolish, how stupid. But, was murder. you know, I still yeah. I still do wicked, foolish things to this day. You're going to be able to find places. You will find all kinds of places where I'm a hypocrite. But that doesn't mean that you're right and I'm wrong. It just means I'm a hypocrite. And I, insofar as I'm able, insofar as God reveals my hypocrisy to me, I should stop. I should repent. Ben, I'm going to ask Nathan this question. Ben, have you ever been caving? I have been caving. Recently? No, it's been a few years. Why did you go? Because, well, in one case, it was just part of a boys' camp. You know, it was a, it was an organized expedition with someone they trusted in a cave that they thought was safe enough. How did they know it was safe enough? Because how did somebody get to be in that trusted position? I bet, I bet I can cut you to the. I bet I can figure out where you're going here. Probably because some people died figuring out what wasn't safe. That's how they knew it was safe enough. This route. How does anybody know anything about cave exploration and what's safe and what's not safe? Because they went into dangerous, dark places. For centuries, people have been going into dark and dangerous places for seemingly no good reason except an innate desire to explore. Well, actually, I don't think that's true because we've mined caves for centuries to find treasure. The treasure was there before or after we went exploring. Mm, that's a that's a good question. I would imagine that, like, if you if you find how about space exploration? If, oh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Let me let me answer this. If someone let's let's say Lewis and Clark, they go on an expedition. They don't the the equivalent to what Alex Hunnell does or somebody like that would be Lewis and Clark walking naked into the jungle. You know, in other mm-hmm. words, Alex Hunnell with no provisions. With no provisions, Alex Hunnell makes yeah. it. He intentionally, for his own glory, 
takes a ridiculous risk. Lewis and Clark do everything to mitigate the risks and to be safe and to care for the people. And then they go and they explore. A person going into a cave, if they just walk into the cave with no light, with no food, with no Mm -hmm. sense of direction, with no way of marking their way, they are being foolish. They are being Alice. And they are, and it it is ultimately bad. Okay, but say they take a light, say they take some way, a rope, whatever. What's the point? The point is, part of the point is that- It mitigated some risks. Okay, so that answers your objection, but what's the point? Part of the point is that exploring God's creation is part of what we're made to do, and God put a curiosity in our hearts. Has anybody seen what Alex Hunnell has seen of God's creation? Yeah, sure. People that climb up there Uh with ropes. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) People with helicopters. You're going to allow people to climb up with ropes, but not without ropes? Basically, yeah. Yeah, we might. I don't don't see why. I mean- it, 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 it certainly depends on a certain level Because your principles just keep changing because the principles were it had to have a good godly reason behind it that had to be connected to taking responsibility or something like that. No, and that, that was just like good that's, enough that's not for true. Actually, you to mitigate the risks No, no, enough. You, you are, you're shifting the ground of the argument now because the whole idea is what, what kind of risks in, in connection with what purpose. And so if your purpose is recreational climbing, enjoying God's creation, then the level of risk should match that. The level of risk, it's not the le- same level of risk that would match like saving the life of an innocent toddler at the top of El Capitan, although that example is ridiculous. Um, it, but <laughs> what? It's, but, but, it's, but it is like if you're going to aid climb, right? You're going to climb with ropes and with the helps of little patons and hooks and carabiners and whatever. If you're going to aid climb El Capitan and you have enough experience as a climber, to do that pretty safely well that's that's one thing maybe even then we'd have an objection like i haven't thought about this extensively because i'm not a climber um and maybe if i knew some christian climbers they would say no even under those circumstances this particular cliff is just foolish i don't know maybe but from what i can see i don't mind that but the level of risk that alex hunnell took when he climbed that cliff is something else entirely because he But then again you're just talking about levels of risk i want to know about risk and measured to, to, to purpose or goal again i want to know about surfing i want to know about assisted climbing i want to know about caving i want to know about scuba diving fine uh, so the fact that there's a lot left to think about does not stop us from condemning something that clearly needs to be condemned right yeah but if, the, if this episode is going to serve any value it's going to have to get beyond condemning alex hunnell well like i said and laying down certain principles in we, are and I, we are called to fill the earth and subdue it principles. there is a way in which taking godly, well-prepared-for risks to explore the world, to figure out what kind of world it is, to see new parts of it. These are good things to go up on the moon. I mean, your argument could obviously be used and you started to, you know, against exploring the moon, because what did that really achieve? Did we bring back resources from the moon? What did it really achieve? Well, I don't know, and I don't know how I feel about it, but I know that Alec, uh, what's his face? Um, Alex Hunnell. They, they didn't build a big catapult to send uh, Neil Armstrong flying up through space <laughs> with no provision for him <laughs> getting back, <laughs> with no spacesuit, with no oxygen, with no food. Uh, you know, they're... they're, they're yeah, but Hunnell, I mean, you just said that he... I'm just going to keep pushing here. A young it's man's glorious yeah. He mapped it out. He, he trained. He and so, and so it. He and trained that, for years. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Tra- he trained for years. And so actually... If Insofar we gonna... as he didn't just jump off the Grand Canyon... Yay, yeah. Alex Hennelt. Yeah, but we're still saying his his level of preparation, his level of safety versus the level of what he achieved and the reason for which he achieved it, his own personal glory. Look, it's not even necessarily bad, I don't think. 
for someone to want to achieve glory. We were built to want to in achieve right glory in the right way. Subordinate to God's purposes. Subordinate to God's glory. So yeah. if somebody just wants to go to the moon so humanity can say, we went to the moon, I don't know that I necessarily have a problem with that, but it should be done in a wise, godly way, subordinate to God's larger purpose for us and his commands for us. Yeah. And you you can keep arguing and trying to make us, you know, say, well, is the line here or is the line there? Is the line here? Oh, well, I thought the line was there. Well, <laughs> actually, it's there. <laughs> okay, fine. You can get us, you know, you, you can come up with examples that are tricky, but that doesn't stop us from saying, well, there's a line somewhere and it's worthwhile to... And he crossed it. Talk truck, And obviously, Hunnelt crossed it. And I think anyone yeah. with sense would say that he crossed it. And the whole morbid interest of the documentary is watching somebody cross that line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sounds like you guys only have a very vague idea that some things are wrong and some things are right <laughs> and uh, no real principles. So I'm declaring victory for the devil here. All right. Yeah. Wow. The devil wins. <laughs> I didn't see what that a cliff, coming. What a, what a cliffhanger. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Much like Alex Tenolt, this yeah. episode now has a I, I wish we had some aids in our climb to victory and argumentation nope, against you, the devil. You and me tried to, we don't. We tried Stop. to free solo it with our logic and argument and we fell it. <laughs> no! Alright, we're going to go to a break. You're going to hear a wonderful segment of our good friend Erica Rose Bloom. One of not going to have much to do with the, anything, anything in this episode. About, yeah. No, but it is Christmas and I know that there's a lot of housewives and homemakers that and people need like that. Some that, advice that need from some advice from Advice Erica. from the premier yeah. homemaker yeah. of Sanityville on Christmas. So sh- we're going to go to that and we're going to hear that because I know you all need to start your decorating and your baking and everything. I know Erica has lots of thoughts. So we will go to that and then we will come back and we will, I'm sure, figure absolutely everything out. Yeah. Great. We'll be right back after this. Merry Christmas, moms. My name is Erica Rosebloom, and you're listening to Mortification of Pin, the show where ho 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 meets homemaking. For a Yuletide season, your family will never forget. Of course, a lot of moms feel great stress around the holidays. And why is that? Because they're weak. You're the strongest mommy there is, mommy. Bow before her in despair, other mommies. Let's do the thing that starts with a cue, Chad. Shut up. That's right, dear. Whenever a mom tells me she's tempted to get the holiday blues, I just remind her to shove her feeling deep down into the Christmas stocking of the soul where it will never be found. My soul is full of ashes. That's not something we talk about, dear. Not when we can talk about Christmas wonderment. You're like Mrs. Santa Claus, Mommy. That's right, darling. That makes Daddy into... A random elf slave, yes. Get back to work, elf slaves! (laughs) Of course, Christmas just isn't Christmas without one thing. Love? A tree. Now, some moms will be content for their children to grow up with a plastic tree from Walmart. And actually, that's a completely legitimate option for a family that wants to avoid the mess and hassle of a real tree. Really? No, I'm kidding, of course. Plastic trees are tantamount to child abuse. But won't a real tree cause lots of sticky messes and fall over and break things and have to be nourished and cared for all the time? Why, yes, dear. And if I wanted to avoid those things, step one would be getting rid of you. (laughs) Are you going to get rid of me, Mommy? Of course not, dear. Not if you make Santa's nice list again. But how will I know if I'm making the list? 
you won't, darling. So you'll just have to be good all the time. Or, you know, face the alternative. Can I just have a spanking instead? That would be cruel, sweetie. Now, let's talk about cookies. Christmas cookies! Of course, traditional Christmas cookies are full of butter and sugar and gluten, but the health-conscious mother can replace all these things for an equally enjoyable treat made of delicious corrugated soy product. Extra corrugation for me, please! And no Christmas is complete without decorations. You can make nativity figures with wireframe models made from coat hangers, some discarded fabric from the old sewing kit, and the same clay you use for your toothpaste, and paint them using all-natural pigments and dyes. You mean the same dye you used to keep your hair from going gray? Now, Chad, that's the kind of thing that boys in the orphanage said to get them on the naughty list. And look where they ended up. In the orphanage. Does Santa visit the orphanage, Mommy? Oh, honey, Santa's too busy with the boys and girls who are good enough to keep on living at home. You mean if I'm not good enough, Santa will take me away from home? Well, honey, let's just say that Santa has a way of making the punishment fit the crime. But how does he have time to punish everyone? Well, dear, that's what we call a Christmas miracle. And speaking of Christmas miracles, ladies, how can you get your husband to assist you in helping achieve your Christmas goals? Don't give him any Christmas candy? That's right, honey. No Christmas candy until the chores are done. Until next time, moms, this is Erica Rosebloom reminding you this Christmas. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be as good as me. And we're back. Ho, ho, ho. Thank you, Erica. <laughs> Always such a... Um, <coughs> a delight. Yeah, I feel merrier it's, myself. What's that? I feel merrier. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's Christmas 365 days in the Rosebloom house. Mm. If there's one thing we've learned on yeah. Sound of Sanity. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys. Now let's get back into it. Uh, you'll remember the devil really had us cornered. Uh, yeah. And he declared victory. <laughs> and he declared victory. <laughs> I don't think that's ever happened before. <laughs> the devil just declared it. <laughs> like Make a, it so. Like a climber placing a flag on the top of Everest. Planted my flag right there. <laughs> Planted the top of that argument. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I guess people see where we're going. All right. So here's the obvious question. The devil, I don't think, had any kind of a point, really. But he did. It's, it's so far as he had a point. His point in his question was a good one, which is, okay, fine. There's a line. Let's go ahead and we're not we're not being the devil anymore. So I think the devil, if he was being honest, would admit, I see that there's a line. I see that Alex Honnold crosses it. But also, give me some help here. What is it that defines godly risk versus reward? It's really tricky. You can really, you know, if you take the principle of risk and reward like we started with, it actually is really it can be really screwy, Mm -hmm. right? Okay. The reward is you're going to give the gospel to some lost soul. And so that's an infinite reward. Mm -hmm. So that admits to infinite risk. So you are now justified to do anything foolish in the name of the gospel. Or are you? Right. My point is that it really is a complicated question. It's not as simple as risk and reward. And it is tied, though, very much to the right risks being for the right reasons. Sure. Well, let me ask you the same question, Jake, that you asked us. Yeah. You, you, and you actually can answer it non-hypothetically because you True. have you have children. You specifically have boys. I assume you probably yeah. do let them climb trees. Yeah. 
and you have them in sports and stuff. Yeah. What is it that makes you want to let a boy climb a tree? He could fall out of that tree. He could snap his he neck. Could, he could all be kinds dead. of bad things in, could happen. In two seconds, That's he right. could be dead. Um, yeah, let him go sledding. We have, you know, our senior pastor's brother died in a sledding accident. I right. let my kids go sledding. Mm. Mitigating circumstances in that case were that he was a hemophiliac. Right. Mm. But just the same, you know, what Ben said was right. Boys need to be acclimated to taking risks and they need to know their limits mm-hmm. and they need to push up against their limits and know themselves um, and they need to be challenged and they need to be pushed. And they learn to take big risks by taking little risks. Fact is, if your boys don't take risks and risks with their bodies, then one day they're not going to, they're going to be in a place where they're challenged or pushed outside their comfort zone. They're not going to know what they're capable of and what they're not capable of. They may have something that they need to do, and they're not going to know whether or not they can do it. And so they're going to cower from it, or they're going to do something stupid and kill themselves. Mm -hmm. It's a part of growing up, and a part of parenting is allowing your kids and encouraging and challenging them to take the right kinds of risks and to learn what those right kinds of risks are and to learn their limits so that they can be godly, useful, helpful people who... But the thing about their the, learning their limits is that there are limits, and God does set those limits. That's right. And a man like Alex Hunnell, just to take an extreme example, since that's the one we've been working with, is transgressing those limits, and he will yeah. likely pay the ultimate price for yeah, transgressing, yeah, yeah. and he doesn't seem to care about that very much, and that's wicked. Yeah, well, he would mm-hmm. say, well, I haven't been shown to have any limits yet. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you only need to be shown once, buddy. That's right. He also says, you know, I don't believe in God. But really, if you if you submit yourself to God and you understand the value God places on your life as a man made in His image, you you understand what everyone else in His community understood, which is that they would be guilty of innocent blood by participation, right? If he were to fall, which or not so innocent blood. Well, let's go ahead and answer the other questions. What about space exploration? This is just a fun topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, what about those things that do actually like climbing Everest? People die all the time. People also mm-hmm. go with much more preparation. They take oxygen. They take provisions. They do things to mitigate the risk. And then still risk. things happen. And then still things Everest happen. Everest kills you. The weather, the avalanches. Right. right. Something can just go wrong. Uh, and yeah, indeed, really... every time we get in a car. But let's not actually t- tackle cars yet. Let's talk about some of those more spectacular kind of risks that we praise people for, like Neil Armstrong like Lewis and Clark, um, that ultimately, well, Lewis and Clark, you could argue because they mapped the blah, blah, blah. But Neil Armstrong, what did he really achieve? And yet he's a hero. They just did a movie about him. He moved the flag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he went out into a cold rock that floats, that has no resources or real value and planted some fabric on it. Yeah, we didn't we didn't and don't know the value of, of that yet. The fact is we're made, we're made to subdue the creation one way or another man's going to do that and we're going to take risks to do that and it's good and right for us to do that we don't know what that could mean even you know okay so the you landed on the moon the moon's dry and cold and um there aren't resources well not sure that he knew or that we know the degree of resources there are or aren't actually on the moon but even if it's a step a small step for Mm -hmm. man it still is i think a giant leap for for mankind who knows what the next step beyond that is, but you got to start with baby steps when it comes to space. It's sort of like... It's like exploring the ocean. It's that's like what I was going to say. It's sort of like, like the first guy to, to to build a boat, you know, and to go out a little ways from from the shore. What exactly did he accomplish? Well, he built a boat and he got away from the shore. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a stepping stone to lots of other things that and mm-hmm. great things that have happened. Yeah, there's a difference between unknown reward and known reward. And someone like what, what Hunnell's doing, he knows what the reward is, and the reward is small compared yeah. to what he's doing. 
if, if, mm. if we could conceive of a yeah. fantasy world, you know, a sci-fi planet where you have to free solo this thing and at the top of it is our unknown resources, peoples or yeah, something yeah. magical and you don't know what's there and the only way to get there is to climb? Well, I don't know whether we'd say that you should be the people in our little sci-fi village that looms, you know, beneath this looming mountain, whether <laughs> we should climb it. But you'd have a lot more reason to think maybe someone should than Honolt knowing exactly what's at top, exactly what he's going to achieve and just taking his life into his hands. I think exploration, in the best case, exploration has behind it a certain degree of trust that God made this rock and God made those rocks out there and it's all good. And there are unknown glories and unknown treasures to be discovered. In the best of circumstances, the reason you go into that cave is because God made that cave. Mm -hmm. And who knows what's down there? Who knows what glorious or wonderful thing is down there? Turns out, Lots of glorious and wonderful things are down there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Diamonds and rubies and precious yeah. jewels and gold and whatever else, you know, metals that can be used for all kinds of God-glorifying ends. And even just creatures but that, you didn't God know that put way down there that we will never see or know about until we get down there and we can just be like, whoa, this is so cool. This God thing made that these, God little, did. these little and, creepy And these little creatures. creepy things have been down here for who knows how long and the only person to ever take pleasure in them until now was God. Mm-hmm. And now man gets to look at this and just think how amazing God is. And who knows what, consider the, the value that has been derived just in terms of medicine and yeah, and whatever else from random plants and animals that are just you know we discover we discover uses for them. Sure, we, you just don't know. You don't know what you don't know, and that's the beauty and the glory and the mystique of exploration is. And that's you're why going we, to find out what you don't know. We love those yeah. guys. The What's on the other side the of Admiral the Birds, horizon? The yeah. Clarks, the Lewis and Clarks, those the Christopher Columbuses, you know, young boys especially. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, before sixth grade, like third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. I love those stories. I love jungle exploration stories and stuff. That is the mystique, and that's the fun, and that's the glory, and I don't want to take away from that. I think those things are basically good. But the thing about all those people that I think we really remember is they did their best to mitigate against the risks. That's right. As they, you know, they went with provisions. They yeah. went with people. They went with guns. They went with medicine. And they were smart about it. And there's a big difference between doing that and just walking into the jungle like you're going to be a martyr in the cause of human glory, you know. Yep. Um, or even a martyr in the cause of... God's glory, you know? I don't know that sometimes when I read those missionary stories where they just get killed by, I'm not thinking right now, you might think I'm thinking of something particular, but I'm actually not thinking of any particular story right now. Sometimes when I read those stories where people just showed up with no preparation, no provision, no understanding of the local culture and got themselves killed, I don't know that I always think that that was so good, you know? Mm -hmm. Even some of the stories that are told as kind of happy, glorious stories uh, give me pause. Like, well, maybe they should have been smart. Maybe it would have been more glorifying to God to have an understanding of what they were walking into and do it in a way that didn't, you know, maybe they ultimately still would have lost their life, but you should always do your best to protect your life, you know? Yeah. Well, and, you know, I read a story about somebody that was walking along and they stepped in a puddle. Suddenly a power line broke, came down, zapped the puddle. They were dead of, you know, In God's sovereignty, people can die for all kinds of reasons. Every step we take out of our house, every moment we remain in our house, the house could collapse. God can do whatever he wants. Living life does take a certain amount of faith that 
hey, in the normal course of events, probably getting in my car and driving to work, if I obey the speed limits, if I buckle in, if I do what I'm supposed to do, sure, a drunk driver could swerve off the road and I could be dead in a second if that's what God's will is. But normally that's not what happens. And I don't have mm-hmm. to act like I'm taking yeah. a big, you know, mm-hmm. dramatic risk. Like it's anything, you know, I think it's unfair for the devil to try and compare those things mm-hmm. or getting on an airplane, you know? I mean, sure, yeah. you're you're intentionally putting yourself thousands of feet in the air and if the airplane fails you're going to die but you're also going to be able to you know see your grandma that lives in hawaii that you never would have been able to see and um, you probably Mm -hmm. won't die in each of those cases there are questions to be asked the first flight the first test pilots all of the test pilots who have died making air travel you know (laughs) well yeah if you read the book uh the right stuff i haven't actually read the whole thing but you know if you read about the early you know neil armstrong i think if i'm i haven't actually seen that ryan gosling movie but my understanding is that all neil armstrong's friends died in in the early testing in the Mm. early days of nasa it was these foolhardy young men and they they intentionally went out and found vainglorious young men that were cocky you know tom cruise and top gun type people and people that were willing people that were suicidal people that didn't have things to live for and they left a lot of widows behind it was sad and everybody kind of understood that we were being intentionally callous or intentionally careless with our own lives and we have to be that's part of what we're doing and you can argue where the line is and whether that was right or wrong and what it got us i mean it got us Mm -hmm. got us flight Mm. Which is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Well, at a certain point in my notes, I wrote down uh, the creation mandate versus the Tower of Babel. Yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. a really good way to think about it, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I think that really is, it's a good way to think about it. it. I don't know how much clarity it brings except for the fact that there are a lot of things about the Tower of Babel that look a lot like the creation fulfilling the creation mandate, and yet mm. it's not that. <laughs> yeah. Man's going to build his his tower to the sky and God's going to look at it and say, if we let Adam and his children do this, Adam's children do this, there's nothing they can't do. God's ends and God's design for fulfilling the creation mandate, fulfilling the earth for subduing it are not the same as our own vainglorious ends. Right. And Mm -hmm. we take all of those good impulses and we do find ways to pervert it all the time in all kinds of ways. And yet, Good things still happen because of it. It's hard. It's tricky. Well, that's the interesting thing about it is that, you know, I was thinking a second ago about this with the with the very with the foolhardy young men. Or if you think about soldiers, sometimes you'll hear the story of a soldier who simply succeeded through bravado and moxie, and yeah. somebody like Winston Churchill, who I believe was pretty famous for just standing on the battlefield and letting the bullets you know just standing like an idiot on the front line you know with his hands on his hips and just looking around and smile kind of laughing as the bullets whizzed by him you hear those stories and i don't think that those men should actually be commended for doing those things but god actually uses it samson's a great example of that in the bible someone who's pretty selfish and pretty Mm -hmm. um and is always taking revenge on the Philistines, not because he's so worried about God's glory, but exactly because he's, what does he actually tell the blind? Uh, what is he, well, his final prayer to God is let me be avenged. Isn't mm-hmm. it something Basically, like that? Yeah, pretty much, I don't remember yeah. what the wording is, but it's yeah. not like, let me do thine will, O Lord. It's like, let me take vengeance on my enemies, like Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. And yet he's listed 
in Hebrews 11 <laughs> as one of the heroes of the faith. Always a surprising thing to read. Always a surprising thing to me. Lots of surprises. In There's that a lot of surprises. Yeah. That might be short of Jephthah. Jephthah, mm-hmm. but Samson might be my number one where it's just like, is yeah. this guy even in heaven? I mean, he never did yeah. anything godly at mm-hmm. all. He never had a good reason, a good motivation in his life. And yet he's one of the heroes. And it seems that God used him. I think it would be wise to end this episode now because, you know, this is a question that people are going to have to just think about for themselves and they're going to have to decide where the line is. I know it's a little bit simplistic, but I think if your goal is to honor God with your life and your goal is for your children to honor God with their lives, that's probably a good starting place, right, Jake? Absolutely, Nathan. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Sound of Sanity was engineered by Benjamin Solzer, produced by Nathan Alberson, executive produced by Jacob Mentel and Nathan Alberson. Jake, you got any special words for people? Yeah, if you are anywhere near Bloomington, Indiana, you should totally come and visit us this Friday at 7 p.m. We have our annual Good Shepherd Band Christmas sing-along. The guys from My Soul Among Lions throw a big party, lots of singing, lots of big, loud, awesome music. And, of course, we'll be there, and we want to meet you. Yeah. So. Could it be great? Yep. Maybe Ben will even introduce you to Pastor Stu. Uh, <laughs> nice not going to happen. <laughs> hey, people really do come from all over, So, in a, in, from a couple hours away even. So, so really, if you're within a couple hours, it's totally worth it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really pretty cool. great. It's pretty great. And uh, you should come. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, speaking of things that you might want to do, you might want to go to patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity to support this very program. Christmas is a time when everyone has lots of expendable cash, I know. Um, <laughs> also, but also, <laughs> that was a little sarcastic, but also it's a very charitable time of year, and I don't know, it's a good time for nonprofits like you, us. We need, so, yeah. we need your help. We do need your help. If you guys love this show and want to see it continue, we really do need your support and your help. So please do sign up today. Yeah. If you little, do... S- Someday they might be able to hire me. Mm-hmm. That's the goal. That's the goal. All right. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. And until next time, stay safe.